This beautiful young lady has been number one for weeks, and finally she's here. Hi, you're Blue Peter, aren't you? No, you're Blue Movie. <laughs> Blue Cantrell. And she's here, because it's still number one. It's the 2000 chart show. Hello, it's a 2000 chart show. My life got cold. It happened many years ago. What did it sound like? It sounded like this. I'm Samuel Spencer, by the way, journalist and cultural critic, and I'm just excited to get into this week's chart entries. Who needs a long introduction? Not us. Although I should mark a very exciting milestone that happened this week because it is the 20th anniversary of the Britney, Christina and Madonna kiss at the MTV VMAs. What's left to be said about this cultural reset? You already know that of course it invented lesbianism. There were no lesbians before 2003 of course. It invented Missy Elliott coming out of a cake in golf wear. That didn't exist before. So obviously we know all of that but there are two things that I want you to look at as you do your 20th anniversary rewatch of the Britney, Madonna, Christina kiss. First, Justin Timberlake's faces. The camera guy who decided to film him as it was all happening deserves a knighthood because of the amount of awkward expressions that he captured. And the second thing is just watch how excited the original Queer Eye guys get when Madonna joins the stage. We can only dream of that level of joy in 2023. Except you don't have to dream that level of joy because I'm going to bring it to you this week where we have new songs from Good Charlotte, Radiohead, Girls Aloud and The Libertines. Those last two particularly excited of course, one of them is a band known for heroin addiction, fights, breaking into each other's apartments. And of course, the other one is the Libertines. Haha, ha, no, of course not. Also, very exciting that this week sees the debut of Lamar. And if there's any justice in this world, his first single, Dance With You, is going to do very well on this week's Top 40. But there's only one way to find out how well Lamar does, and that is to get to number 40, which this week, down from 33 in its seventh week on the chart, is Javine with Real <laughs> Javine's real things at 40 there means that unfortunately that's probably the last time we're going to see that on the chart, which is a great shame, but it does give us just enough time to point out that it does have one of the worst rhymes in its opening line. If you're supposed to start as you go on, then no one told Javine. Here's the first line of real things. Everybody wanna be wearing jewellery. No, an all-time terrible opening rhyme there. I guess if you can't be the best of something, be the absolute worst of it. But congratulations, Javine, for that dubious honour. And congratulations for Pink and William Orbit for being part of Feel Good Time, an excellent song that in its seventh week is at number 39. <laughs>
still love that song, Pink with Feel Good Time. At 38, R. Kelly's Ignition remix. Not going to play it as ever, but I will note that it has the longest run on this week's chart, but it is nearly gone, judging by the fact it's at 38. Although, of course, the fact that it is soon to leave is made less good by the fact that there's another R. Kelly song on the chart taking its place. In many ways, R. Kelly is the mythical Hydra. You cut off one of his heads and another appears in its place. And that is exactly the kind of highbrow content that we strive for at the 2000s chart show. So we're about to head into our first new entry at 37. But first, here is what you've got to look forward to in the coming hour and a bit. I realised that these early songs can be a bit hard to enjoy. So I thought I'd give you a little taste of what is to come. So fighting it out for the big number one this week, trying to beat Blue Cantrell featuring Sean Paul. Their song Breathe has currently had three weeks at number one and they're going to be desperate to get it to number four. But standing in their way is, first of all, Lamar. He came third in Fame Academy, but was very much a fan favourite. I mean, everyone says that, but then if he was a fan favourite, he would have won in the fan vote. But nevertheless, a popular guy with his debut, of course, David Sneddon's first song, Stop Living the Lie, got to number one after he won Fame Academy. And then in second place in Fame Academy 2002 was Sinead Quinn. Her first song, I Can't Break Down, got to number two. So therefore, you would think that if David Sneddon got to number one in Fame Academy, got to number one, Sinead got to number two, got to number two. We're expecting a number three placement for Lamar's Dance With You, but we shall find out. And certainly he does have some tough competition because up against Lamar this week are Girls Aloud with their third single, Life Got Cold. Their first two singles, Sound of the Underground, got to number one, the uh, Christmas number one of 2002. And No Good Advice got to number two earlier this year. We talked about it on the podcast. So they will be hoping to match their previous successes with their first ballad. And I think a very underrated song, and I will go into why a little bit later. But it isn't just a pop top 40 this week. There is also a stream of pop punk and indie coming in good charlotte are releasing their follow-up to girls and boys in my opinion girls and boys their best song by a country mile but they are hoping that enough people can also tolerate their second single the anthem although it's hard to wish any more success on a band whose members are married to nicole ritchie and cameron diaz we will also get into exactly how Cameron Diaz fell for a member of Good Charlotte a little bit later on. But one last song to mention here is The Libertines. We mentioned last week that The Libertines were going to have their biggest chart success so far this week, bringing in the rise of the second indie boom, but exactly how far Pete and Carl and the other two. No idea what their names are. Let's see how far they can get as we head into the top 10. But first, we have to start with a new entry, not getting anywhere near the lofty heights of the top 10. This is at 37, Graffiti with What Is The Problem? As you hear the song, you'll learn very quickly what exactly the problem is. You better tell me now I've had it up to here with all the rows I can't breathe because you shout louder right the problem is they forgot to write more than one verse oh so silly of them by the way if you want to hear the full versions of all the songs we're talking about on this week's episode search the 2000s chart show on spotify to find our playlist featuring every song that we've talked about on the podcast so far that is available on spotify or visit youtube where we will create a playlist featuring the entire top 40 although quite why you'd want to listen to more of what is the problem by graffiti i don't know but each to their own in terms of taste in case you want to know more about 
what is the problem by graffiti. It's part of a genre that I'm told is called either hooligan house or chip hop. A lot of music writers of the time having a lot of fun there. Press releases for What is the Problem by Graffiti said it was the work of Italian producer who's had a top 10 airplay hit in his homeland, although it soon emerged that it was in fact a side project for Mike Skinner, the MC best known as the lead singer, question mark, of The Streets. At the time, Mike Skinner's people denied that he was part of the record, saying graffiti is not Mike Skinner. The artist is an Italian producer who wants to remain nameless. The record is really big in Italy and and it looks set to repeat its success when it hits the UK. A, no it isn't. And B, no it didn't. <laughs> I do have a certain nostalgia for the times where you couldn't very easily look up what was big in Italy, but let me tell you, this song was not. I don't know if there's a Cockney subculture in Italy, but I somehow doubt it. But what I don't doubt is that this song led to some pretty steamy debate in the digital spy forums back in 2003. A user called Peige Curtain called it trash, 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 and said, it's so boring and crap, I could have put it together in Reason or Pro Tools in about 15 minutes. To which user Tenesmus asked him, why didn't you then? And then Fast Eddie chips in saying he's too busy playing WWE Smackdown 5, winky face. Not sure if WWE Smackdown 5 is a forgotten euphemism for wanking. I'm only going to assume it is. Peach Curtain then defends himself saying, because I'd rather not make cheap crappy music. Now, I kind of like the streets. This, however, is just pish. I'd love to be on Peach Curtain's side here because this song is a little repetitive, but he was big in the Get Kinger Off Big Brother threads on the Digital Spy Forum. And as you might have seen on our socials, we are a pro Kinger from Big Brother podcast. And actually, speaking of Kinger, it's quite exciting. This is not confirmed or anything. We are in talks to interview the bottle that Kinger put in her vagina next week. Listen again then for that exclusive interview. Of course, the bottle's agents at the moment are playing a little hardball, so we'll hopefully fingers crossed, get that interview for you. Amazingly, for a song that I will probably never play again, I went into a probably 45 minute long wormhole about graffiti because at the end of the video for What is the Problem by Graffiti, there is a woman who I'm absolutely convinced is Emma Willis, the wife of Busted's Matt Willis and future Big Brother presenter. So throughout the whole video, it's a guy who's like building up the courage to confront his girlfriend who's done something unspecified wrong. And as he goes along, he picks up a crowd who are seem equally ready to protest with him. They all have placards saying what is the problem and stuff like that. But then he knocks on the woman's door and he turns around and they've all deserted him. And then he is not prepared to take on the girlfriend who I am convinced is Emma Willis. Demand that you watch to the end of the video and see for yourself if it really is Emma Willis in an early role. And also we'll now insert a a clip of Emma hosting Big Brother and a voice sample from this video to see if you can spot any similarity between them. So Roxanne, this whole situation started almost a week ago now. Hello? What is it? What do you want? I've washed my hair! So that was a good hour lost of my time, which is probably more than Mike Skinner put into the making of this song. Obviously him blowing off a bit of steam in the studio because at this time he was recording his follow-up to original pirate material called A Grand Don't Come For Free. So the last single from original pirate material came out in November 2002 and the first Grand Don't Come For Free single, Fit But You Know It, an absolute classic, will come out in May 2004. So this is clearly a little studio piss about that Lucky Us got released as a single. So yeah, that really is more time than anyone in the entire history of the world has ever given to considering graffiti's what is the problem so you're welcome i guess question mark and you're also welcome 
for two very bland songs. At 36, Stereophonics is Maybe Tomorrow. That's down from 26 in its fifth week. And also in its fifth week at 35, down from 24, Deepest Blue with Deepest Blue. Enjoy. <laughs> If you've managed to stay awake throughout that, congratulations. And as your reward, here is a new entry from number 34, The Ravenettes, with that great love sound. Just saying that, I finally understood the name. I thought Ravenettes was like a lady version of Raven, but it's a pun on the phrase rave on. They're the rave on ets. I mean, it's still it's still rubbish, but at least I get it now. I'll give you an image of the Ravenettes in case you're not familiar with them, to picture them in the gallery of the minds that we're creating with this podcast. So the male singer looks exactly like Peter Gabriel and the female singer looks like the lead singer of the Cardigans mixed with Joe Wiley, except Danish. Rolling Stone said of the woman, some women get described as striking, but Sharon Fu, that's her name, is better described as punching you in the jaw repeatedly with a fistful of quarters which i guess is slightly more of a compliment than looks a bit like joe wiley the guy in case you were wondering is called sune rose wagner and the ravenettes are a danish group sune said in rolling stone denmark was one of the first places where porn was legalized you walk into any 7-eleven supermarket grocery store and there's porn everywhere we grew up with that shit i guess there is no censorship so we have a healthy relationship with sex it's a 24-hour country place doesn't close down it's not like here where you can't smoke you can't drink and definitely sharon had a very free life because she was raised in a hippie commune anything that could happen to you in a rock and roll band i imagine pales in comparison to a life on the hippie commune but that doesn't mean that they couldn't work with some major establishment talent this song for example was co-written by the producer richard gotterer i can't pronounce his name properly but which is a shame because he's a proper underrated legend of American pop music. He is the guy who wrote such classic 60s songs as My Boyfriend's Back and I Want Candy. And then in the 70s and the 80s, he produced the debut albums of Blondie and the Go-Go's. So definitely responsible for a few of my favourite songs. This, of course, was not enough to get them above 34 in the first of their two UK top 40s. The second of which is a song called Love in a Trash Can, to which I say, wow, I didn't know someone wrote a song about my dating life. Amazing. And from a song about my dating life to a song about, whisper it, drugs, here is at 33, a new entry for Queens of the Stone Age with First It Giver. First It Giver, take it away.
be specific, First It Giveth is a song about the role drugs play in the process of making music. In an interview with The Fade magazine, Josh Homme, the lead singer of Queens of the Stone Age, said, At first you can draw inspiration and then eventually it negates any inspiration when asked what the impact of drugs were on his songs. I think that the idea that I'm going to get high and make a great song and you start relying on that, you know, and saying, now I need to do that to write. And to me, they don't touch, they coexist next to each other. So that is Josh Homme's statement on drugs and creativity. And it's also a lesson that Scooch learned to their peril. Of course, more than I needed to know, written after a long heroin binge. Now, obviously that is a joke. That, now that I think about it, Scooch does sound like a great euphemism for heroin. So use that next time you buy a gram from your dealer. I, in many ways, consider First It Giveth as a reaction song to the Queen of the Stone Age song, Feel Good Hit of the Summer whose lyrics are just a list of drugs. The song which got banned in some countries and led to them becoming known as a drug band, leading Josh Homme to have to say in the fade, I don't wave the flag for drug rock. And so if Feel Good Hit of the Summer is a song about drugs and First It Giveth is about how drugs are good in some ways but bad in others, it's very much the Eamon's Fuck You and Frankie's F-U-R-B of the drugs world. Talking about drugs and Queens of the Stone Age, there was a great story in Enemy in 2007 about how they tried to do a gig at a rehab facility. Josh Homme's Desert Rockers planned to perform a six-song show for inpatients at an unnamed Los Angeles drying out clinic, which came to an abrupt and chaotic end when the band were cut off before the end of the first song and manhandled out of the building by heavy security. The rehab show was intended as a light-hearted, intimate performance in their home city of Los Angeles, but a spokesperson for the band informed Enemy.com that when the band opened the show with classic feel hit for summer staff at the clinic were so unimpressed that they pulled the plugs and had security remove them straight away without negotiation this was probably funny at the time but then in 2019 josh homme himself had to go to rehab for real after his wife claimed that his alcoholism and drug use were responsible for their divorce so that's a happy ending isn't it and so from track marks which is what you get on your arm from taking too much heroin i've heard here at 32 is a new entry from billy crawford this is tracking <laughs> Crawford has a special place in the history of this podcast because in our pilot episode I think he was the first new entry that we ever talked about. Now I'm very well aware that that pilot remains unaired and there's many reasons for that but at this moment I can unlock the archives, insert suitable archive unlocking sound, and give you a little hint about exactly what we said about Billy Crawford. I think I have actually been unfair to Billy Crawford in my head. You see someone who uh, is coming in at 35 and you think, oh God, another attempted failed male singer. But then you realise that Billy Crawford is richer than any of us will ever be. Uh, Billy Joe Ledesma Crawford, this is from Wikipedia, is a Filipino-American actor, musician, singer, dancer, comedian and television host. Oh, what television has he hosted, you wonder? I've never heard of him. Well, are there any Filipinos out there? Firstly, Mabuhai, which is Tagalog for hello, although apparently no one actually says that. But you will know Billy Crawford very well from presenting Pinoy Dream Academy, Filipinos Got Talent, 
Your face sounds familiar, Pinoy boy band superstar. Your face sounds familiar, kids. Don't forget those kids. Little Big Shots and Idol Philippines. And of course, his judging slot on World of Dance Philippines and your moment. So good for Billy Crawford. There we go. Didn't I sound young two months ago? So that was us talking about his first song. You didn't expect that, which I didn't expect to be so good. And this is his second single, Trackin'. Not doing, not tracking very well in the UK charts at only 32, but it was weirdly a massive hit in Europe. This song was number one in the Netherlands, number five in Switzerland, and also in France, and number three in Belgium. And even weirder, it got to number one. It got to number five in France in 2001, but wasn't released in the UK until 2003, at which point it sounds incredibly dated, which is probably why it's only here at number 32. Still, it did chart higher than his last song, even though I think, in my view, that is the better song, but you can never Never trust the taste of the British record buying public, which is the true message of this podcast forever and always. It certainly required a little bit of a lack of taste to keep fabulous with Can't Let You Go here at number 31, down from 21 in its third week. <laughs> I could be very much hearing things. It has been a very long summer after all. But there is really a bit there that sounded like they were saying it's the wife beater, which seeing as he would be accused of domestic violence only a few years later is wildly inappropriate but if you thought the record buying public's continued support fabulous was distasteful just wait till you hear what they have at number 30 in its 10th week on the chart appropriate that the initials for fast food song are FFS because for fuck's sake why is that in its 10th week on the chart but now for something much better my finest ever segue so if you let me get into my old style radio voice <laughs> yes fast food rockers there with their fast food song now one of the fine fast food restaurants and other fast food restaurants are available that the song mentioned is Kentucky Fried Chicken and did you know that you can actually buy our next band at Kentucky Fried Chicken? That's right, so let's go to the musical counter and order two pieces of chicken, some fries, and a cob of corn. That's corn at 29 with Give My Time. Oh, sorry, my phone's ringing. Just give me a second. Hello? Oh, Radio 2. Oh, you did. Oh, great. Oh, yeah, yeah, I can start on Thursday. Thanks. Okay, thanks. Bye. Yeah, they loved it. 
because that's basically all Radio 2 is. Take that, beloved institutions. Unlike this song at 28, a new entry that I'd never heard of that no one remembers. Here is Mark Joseph with Fly. Take you to higher ground. Come on, don't look down. Cause I'm showing you where to begin. Better everything. Now it all begins. You've got to fly. to Mark Joseph there but honestly this guy has more drive than most of us. Here's a little background about him. This is his second single after his first hit Get Through made it to the charts after he got basically rejected by every record label in London and so that led to him setting his own record label up, touring around the country, basically forcing record stores to stock his single and then getting himself a number 38 hit. Now, I must warn you, obviously this is a podcast for music nerds, but we are about to hit a new level of music nerdistry. <coughs> because we're about to talk about record labels and catalogue numbers. So be warned. The source of the stuff at the beginning was a guy who, a man after my own heart, puts reviews of top 40s into the comments on the official charts website. So not the most reliable source, but I looked into it and it turns out he is right that Mark Joseph did set up his own record label when he couldn't get himself a record deal. Get Through, that single we were just talking about, had a catalogue number listed on officialcharts.com as MJR003. Those of you who are smart with acronyms may have already realised that MJR, of course, stands for Mark Joseph Records. He did indeed set up his own record company and this did ultimately work out for him in a way. The hustling did work because while the promo version of Fly the song you just heard was also released on Mark Joseph Records. The single itself was a joint release between Mark Joseph Records and 14th Floor Records, a subsidiary of Warner Music specialising in a kind of soft indie. So obviously so they were so impressed by him getting to number 38 all off his own back that they gave him a record deal. And 14th Floor, quite a big deal if you like that kind of music. Their first release was Further by Longview, which we discussed a few weeks ago, but they would go on to release songs by Narina Palo, remember her, Ray La Montagne, Biffy Clyro and The Wombat. Bats. Everybody's going to war, but we don't know what we're fighting for. So congratulations to Mark Joseph for getting a record deal, but none of that hustle helped him get further than tw number 28 with his second single. So I'm not sure what that teaches you about trying, other than it's probably not worth it. With that kind of uh, motivational insight, I'm sure I'll be offered a TED talk any moment now. I guess what we learn from that is all the hustle in the world can't make you a star if the material just isn't good enough. We'll just move on to what that can mean for this podcast and go to number 27, another new entry. This is Dave Gahan with I Need Always Gahan, of course, the lead singer of Depeche Mode, whose first solo song, Dirty Sticky Floors, we talked about a few weeks ago. Listening to that song, you may wonder to yourself, why exactly did Depeche Mode break up if what Dave Gahan was going to do as a result of that was make an album that sounded exactly like Depeche Mode? Well, it might be because Depeche Mode were in a bit of a creative 
block at this time. Their last album, Exciter, was a critical flop. A typical two-star review from Q Magazine, which I used to be subscribed to as a child, humble brag, said that Depeche Mode were the closest wussy synth rock, not sure about that, will ever get to a Rolling Stones. And in the face of such blue chip stability, only one question remains. Are Depeche Mode any good anymore? Not really. At best, Exciter is superficially attractive. So that review basically blamed Martin Gore, the band's main guitarist and keyboardist, for the album being bad. And they call him Out of Puff, which I think explains why Gahan at this time might want to work with other people. But the problem is the instrumentation that he comes up with on his own for this solo stuff is hardly any more exciting than what Martin Gore was doing. Um, so you can see why the band would eventually get back together in 2004 after Dave Gahan had toured as a solo artist. Basically a noble but failed experiment, Dave Gahan's solo career, which would only get to 27 here. Although I must say to its credit that it was a number two hit in Hungary for some reason. And I know now you're desperate to know what was the number one single in Hungary that stopped Dave Gahan getting a Hungarian number one. And of course... It is Sextagi by the band Tanks Sapta. The title in Hungarian means sex object and the band's name translates to tank trap. So you know we need to hear that right now. There we go. Hungarian thrash metal. Mm. Tank Sapta storming the Hungarian charts but not making an impact on the UK charts, oddly. Unlike these two songs that you're about to hear, as an amazing little chart coincidence I didn't notice last week was that we had three present songs in a row. If you've been listening for the last few weeks, you know that I'm a little bit obsessed with the credit in dance music songs where you'll get one act presents another act. And last week, we had three of them in a row. We had Benny Benassi presents The Biz, Jason Nevins presents UKNY featuring Holly James, and then XTM and DJ Chucky presents Ania. This week, only two of them are still together because Fly on the Wings of Love is just refusing to leave the upper reaches of the chart. But here is, at 26, Jason Nevins presents UKNY, and at 25, Benny Benassi presents The Biz. I'm through, but you gotta tell me what you wanna do. Anyway, here at 24, down from 20 last week, and it's 15th week on the chart. A former number one, Evanescence, with Bring Me to Life. You can just leave me
you know who brought me to life? David Snedden last week on Top of the Pops. At 23 now, down from 14 in its fourth week, we have a song that Robbie Williams admitted he kind of hated, even though he released it as a single. So we mentioned that in his Nebworth gig, the biggest gig in music history at that time, even though the single Something Beautiful was literally coming out that week, he refused to play it because he hated it. I thought this might just be Robbie, you know, being cheeky in his autobiography. But no, I looked at Setlist FM and he's literally only played Something Beautiful live five times in his entire live career. So he really must not like it. Do you share Robbie's view of Something Beautiful? Well, if you haven't made your mind up yet, let's hear some of it. You can't wake up in the morning Shall be last begun at night If you're lost, hurt, tired and lonely Can't control it, try as you might May you find that love To put five times into perspective by the way here's just a few songs that robbie williams has played live more than he's played something beautiful he's played a cover of ignition remix by r kelly 53 times he's played a cover of my name is by eminem 38 times He's even covered the absolutely terrible song Women by the terrible Ashley Hamilton 24 times. And by the way, you can go back to our June 14th episode to hear about Women by Ashley Hamilton if you want to do that to yourself. Mixed to ignition, hot and fresh out the kitchen. Mama rolling that body, got every man in it wishing. So Robbie Williams truly and utterly despises something beautiful, which I think is unfair. I think you'd be better having a conversation, Robbie, thinking about whether she's the one, maybe a little bit overrated. Anyway, we don't have time to litigate Robbie Williams's early 2000s career yet. We're going to move on to 22, the previously promised XTM and DJ Chucky presents Anya with Fly on the Wings of Love. This is in its 13th week on the chart. makes XTM DJ Chucky's Fly on the Wings of Love the third longest running song on this week's chart which is an especially impressive feat for the song because the two songs that have been on the chart for longer than that Bring Me to Life and The Ignition Remix are both former number ones whereas Fly on the Wings of Love only peaked at number eight even more impressive it ended up as the 32nd biggest selling song of 2003 making it the only song in the top 50 highest selling songs of the year that didn't get into the top five originally so truly the little engine that could fly on the wings of love, I guess, because it's got wings more like the little uh, aeroplane that could. Yep, I'll leave you to sit with that one. As we move swiftly past at 21, R. Kelly featuring Big Trigger Snake. That is down from 10 in its second week. And I have to do a correction on that song from last week. And I think I actually just did it again in introducing it. So on the official charts website, it is labelled as R. Kelly featuring Big Trigger, but it is in fact Big Tigger. Damn you, official chart leading me astray. There's not much to say about Big Tigger. Other than the best thing about him was that he used to host a BET show called Rap City and one of the presenters who presented it alongside him was someone called Big Les. Not because she was a large woman who loved other women, but because her name was Leslie and she was tall and seemingly straight. I just love that there's someone out there called Big Les 
it's the same part of my brain that loves it every time you go past a ultra low emission zone in London and there's a big sign saying you less. I'm a immature child in other words. Could that be why I am reliving my childhood through a 2000s chart show podcast? Ooh, uh, repress that one right back in the brain and go to our halfway point of this week's chart. A quick recap before we head into the top 20 and I mean quick. 40, Javine Real Things, 39, Pink Pee Pink Fiction William Pink Fiction William Orbit for a good time. 38, Archaeo Vision Remix. 37, Graffiti, what's the problem? 36, Dave Phonics, Maybe Tomorrow. 35, Jubilee Blue, Jubilee Blue. 34, Ravenettes, The Great Love Sound. 33, Crimson Stone Age, First Giver. 32, Billy Crawford, Tracking. 31, Fabulous, Can't Let You Go. 30, Fast Food Because Fast Food Song. 29, Corn Did My Time. 28, Mark Joseph, Fly. 27, Dave Gahan, I Need You. 26, Jason Evans, Presents UK and Y, Featuring Holly Jones, I'm in Heaven. 25, Belly Benazzi, Featuring the Beer Satisfaction. 24, Evanescence, Bring Me to Life. 23, Robbie Williams, Something Beautiful. 22, XTM and DJ Chucky, Featuring Anna, Wings of Love. 21, R. Kelly, Featuring Big Trigger Snake. And at 20, down from 8 in its second week, but not doing too well, Richard X, Featuring Khalees, with Finest Dreams. <laughs> potential pop stars of the future don't release a song featuring the lyric oh baby you're the finest in your single which is objectively worse than your previous two singles it's just the reviews write themselves now you may be thinking that's very unkind to Khalees you should stop and that's funny because at number 19 here is a new entry Black Rebel Motorcycle Club with stop Silly me, that's the wrong stop. You tear me all apart. Oh, would you believe it? That's the wrong stop again. Oh, what am I like? Here is the Black Rebel Motorcycle Club version. stereotype my listeners but I thought some of you may appreciate a little bit of Spice Girls and Jamelia before listening to the Black Rebel Motorcycle Club help you balance out so Black Rebel Motorcycle Club are the kind of American indie rock band who are desperate to cultivate a kind of cool aloof image this is why I much prefer pop bands to this show because they are you know constantly doing embarrassing interviews they're getting gunged on kids shows and doing stuff like that but black rebel motorcycle club does none of this they just do a load of interviews in which they give monosyllabic answers and talk about sex drugs and rock and roll or whatever so it was difficult to find some fun facts but i did manage to track some down for you so i am now creating a new segment here is fun facts about unfun bands festival in England, Black Rebel Motorcycle Club Peter Hayes came out on stage early to sign an inflatable penis. Now I looked at a picture of Peter Hayes, he looks like a gelled wave washing through the glass. I'm not sure I'd get him to sign my inflatable penis, but each to their own. In 2003, Black Rebel Motorcycle Club had to stop a show 
a smile spotted his unusually straight face. There's no incredible volume. We've been getting louder for a while and we've blown the PA a few times, but that one topped it all. People talk about it even now. Well, wasn't that fun? And for housekeeping, I must note that this is the highest chart position so far for Black Rebel Motorcycle Club and the third of their five top 40 hits. And from a top 40 hit to a former number one hit at number 18, down from 13 in its fifth week, Daniel Benningfield with Never Gonna Leave Your Side. From a man who somehow had one of the first garage songs to ever hit the top 40, here is a person who's going to make that fact look very embarrassing because he is about to bring in an entirely new genre. At 17, a new entry, Dizzy Rascal, Fix Up, Look Sharp. <laughs> Fix Up Look Sharp, Dizzy Rascal's second UK Top 40. We previously talked about his debut I Love You a few weeks ago, but this is the song that comes out just two weeks before Dizzy Rascal wins the Mercury Prize at the age of 19, making him the youngest ever winner, which should make you feel incredibly old, unproductive and useless. So enjoy that. When I was 19, we had a party in my halls of residence in which someone had a dad who was high up in Barocca, so he'd given them a kind of crate of Barocca. So he made a cocktail that was just vodka and Barocca, and I drank so much of it that I threw up so hard that I burst blood vessels in my eyes. So that's what I was doing at 19, and in fact, here's a little secret for you. At 19, I actually didn't win any Mercury Prizes at all. In fact, I haven't even won a Mercury Prize now, not even a little one. So very impressed by Dizzy Rascal's young feet which is all very interesting, but there is something much more fascinating to talk about with Dizzy Rascal when it comes to 2003, and that is the story of when Dizzy was stabbed in Iron Napa. In fact, <laughs> you could say that him being stabbed is a pretty bonkers story. So the stabbing happened when a rival gang one night had an altercation which involved Dizzy Rascal and his friend and fellow rapper Wiley. The gang came looking for Wiley the next day because he had continued the argument, and when they couldn't find Wiley, they stabbed Dizzy, and this basically led to a very long feud between Wiley and Dizzy. So that is the basics, but that does not include the important details that the rival gang were allegedly so solid crew and the event that caused the original altercation was Dizzy Rascal either pinching or slapping Lisa Mafia's bum. Yes, we thought we wouldn't be able to talk about Lisa Mafia anymore now she's left the charts, but she is coming to make a cameo appearance at least once. So this event allegedly led to So Solid members rushing Dizzy and starting a fight, which Dizzy apparently won. And then the next day, the So Solid crew stabbed Dizzy Rascal. Again, allegedly, who actually stabbed him has never really fully been determined. Here's what how Wiley described it in 2016. Me and Dizzy went out one night, and there was some fighting with another crew. I won't say who, but basically everyone knows. Then the next day, I decided to carry it on. I didn't pull out a knife, I was just fighting. 
Me and another guy went looking for them again. Dizzy just rode off because in his head he's probably thinking, what the fuck are you doing? That was last night. It's just going to carry on. Well, after we started up again, those guys came looking for us, but the person they found was Dizzy. The thing we'd done the next morning led them to go looking for us and see him and stab him. Lisa Mafia, by the way, has denied her involvement in this famous stabbing. She said it's absolute rubbish. I've only found him to be the nicest guy on earth. He's so young, he's so talented, and he's so funny. But Wiley's song replied to Dizzy does include the lyric, you pinch Lisa Mafia's bum, why? You didn't even need to, but you did. So exactly what happened there, I think only select members of the So Solid crew, Wiley and Dizzy, may ever truly know. But certainly a very juicy story to get into on this podcast. And now we're going to go to a pretty juicy track. Uh, number 16, now from 12 in its eighth week. Another former number one, Beyonce, but crazy in When the flow is loco, young B and the ROC. Uh oh, OG, big homie, the one and only. Stick bony, but the pockets is fat like Tony. Soprano, the rock handle like Ben X2. Now that we know that Dizzy Rascal was stabbed whilst on holiday in 2003, something intriguing comes up. Now, obviously, we are a anti-conspiracy theory podcast, but is it a coincidence that that same year, the Cheeky Girls release a song called Hooray, Hooray, It's a Cheeky Holiday? What is it that allegedly started the fighting that led to the stabbing? Him maybe pinching Lisa Mafia's cheek, which would be pretty cheeky of him. I think I've blown the case wide open. Monica, Gabriella, confess. Every day and night, all year round It's a cheeky world, a funny world No need to find another place It's summertime and we feel great By the way, in case I didn't actually introduce that song amid that flight of borderline insanity that was hooray hooray it's a cheeky holiday by the cheeky girls down from nine in its third week on the chart now dizzy rascal's fascinating 2003 summer happened in ayanapa which is in cyprus but it's a song about a different country's party town that is at number 14 this is a new entry dk and epsilon featuring stamina mc with barcelona and all i wanna do is go back incredibly fun fact about me which is that I am incredibly pretentious and so any time in which I can pronounce Barcelona in the Spanish style Barcelona I definitely will and so with that in mind I'd like to make a little edit to DK and Epsilon's song Sometimes I feel like I'm in Barcelona Barcelona Yes, much better. So I will definitely be mentioning that improvement to DK and Epsilon, aka Viennese drum and bass producers David Kulumkamp and Dragol Yub Drobnayovic. 
quite the name. Stamina MC, meanwhile, is Lyndon Reeves, a pirate radio DJ and still very much a big part of the drum and bass scene in the UK. Quite what they like so much about Barcelona hasn't really been made clear. Perhaps they were big fans of the architect Antoni Gaudi? Or maybe they just really liked tapas? Or... <laughs> Of course, should I say, tapas. According to EDN.com, though, Barcelona is considered one of the world's best party cities because it boasts an eclectic party scene with late-night beach clubs, sexy boat parties, and regular street fiestas and music festivals. There is a lot going on here. How nice. Meanwhile, I'm sweating my arse off in my bedroom recording this. That's not as nice as Barcelona, is it? That was probably TMI. So <laughs> I'm going to move on to number 13, down from 7 in its third week, Pharrell Williams featuring Jay-Z with and look at me and girl, I love it. Then you kick it off a girl a show. Tell her you gon' call my ass how it was, and she's gon' love it. Whoa, whoa. Yeah, so then we tried. Take it slow now because you went used to how fast we touched. the order of the UK Top 40s throws out two songs together whose artists you can never imagine interacting in any way and certainly that is what's happened here between at number 13 Frontin and at number 12 Radiohead with Go To Sleep. I wonder if Tom York has ever heard the song Happy. Oh yeah of course Tom York's is a big minions head. Anyway here is a new entry Radiohead Go To Sleep. Radiohead, incidentally one of the bands that Dizzy Rascal is about to beat to the Mercury Prize. In fact, despite having the most nominations of anyone with five and OK Computer being regularly called one of the best albums of all time, of course that's the people who say that have never heard Chemistry by Girls Aloud, but Radiohead have never won the Mercury Prize. Although it would honestly be weird if out of all the albums that were nominated it was Hail to the Thief album that gave us Go to Sleep. It is in many ways their political album about quote the general sense of ignorance and intolerance and panic and stupidity following the two election of the US President George W. Bush and a lot of the lyrics from the album use the phrases and vocabulary of the War on Terror. Oh yes, because it would not be an episode of the 2000 Start Show if we weren't talking about the War on Terror. Tom York told Rolling Stone that he, he didn't mean to make a political statement with the album, which is a classic rock star bullshit interview move. You call your album Hail to the Thief, which is a pun on the presidential song Hail to the Chief, after someone won an election that many people consider stolen, and then you get angry when they may take that to be a George W. Bush reference and ask you about politics. It's like the uh, fast food rockers being like, can you stop asking us about fast food, please? Just because we're called fast food rockers and we did a song featuring McDonald's come check chicken and pizza hut, doesn't mean we want to talk about fast food. That's the only time anyone's ever compared Radiohead and Fast Food Rockers, by the way. But Go to Sleep is certainly the song on Hail to the Thief that is the most explicitly about the War of Terror, I think, because you can see that in the lyrics. Here's a few. Something big is going to happen over my dead body. Tom York, of course, being one of the many protesters against the war in Iraq that Tony Blair basically ignored. We don't really want a monster taking over. Tiptoe around, tie him down. We don't want the loonies taking over. Tiptoe around, tie them down. With I would say, you know, the Bush pro-war Republicans. And of course, the chorus line goes, 
I'm going to go to sleep and let this wash all over me. Which I have to say, war and terror aside, is basically how I feel every day. So maybe it is more general and Tom York deserves an apology for us asking him so much about politics. But he ain't getting one because it all happened 20 years ago and we've all moved on apart from me. But I am moving on now to another new entry at number 11. The second British indie boom is here because at number 11, this is The Libertines with Don't Look Back Into The Oh my friends, you haven't changed. You're looking rough and living strange And I know you've got a taste for it too oh, oh. They'll never forgive you but they won't let you go Oh no She'll never forgive you but she won't let you go Here's how the Libertines were introduced on Top of the Pops at the time. Next, the band who've had a turbulent past few weeks. They've lost a band member, but it doesn't seem to have affected them much as they're back with their biggest hit to date. Fresh from a fantastic Reading set, and in at number 11, this is the Libertines. They've lost a band member is quite the euphemism for what was going on with the Libertines in summer 2003. After all, the lost member is none other than Pete Doherty, who is a week away from going to prison for burgling fellow Libertines member Carl Barat's flat. Earlier in the year, Pete heard, to quote BBC News, when absent from the band, which basically, another euphemism, means that he got deeper and deeper into drugs. According to multiple sources, he had a £200 a day crack and heroin addiction by the time that he went to prison. Now, I couldn't quite work out how much crack and heroin £200 a day could buy you in 2003. The earliest figures for how much heroin cost are from 2007. But in that year, £200 was about a gram and a half of heroin a day, which does sound like quite a lot of heroin. Tell you what, that crack is really Moorish. And so obviously this led the band to ask him to leave. And then in a revenge attack for asking him to leave the band, Doherty broke into his former bandmate's flat and stole items including an antique guitar, a laptop, a video recorder, a CD player, a harmonica and a series of books. The court was told Doherty had kicked down the door to Barat's basement flat in central London on July 25th while the band were in, on tour in Japan. And so in September, Pete Doherty would initially be jailed for six months but he would be out in October 2003, and then the band would get back together after Barat and Doherty had made up whilst he was in prison. So I guess a happy ending for everyone involved. Beat Doherty now says that he prefers cheese to heroin, and I have to say, same mate. So that is the perhaps the only way admit me and Pete Doherty are the same. So the indie boom is fully in effect with the Libertines, but it has not been enough to beat the unfortunate pop-punk wave because at number 10, beating the Libertines is Good Charlotte with the anthem. According to Good Charlotte, the anthem is a song about not living the way that you're supposed to live. I guess that in America, everybody kind of looks that to be successful, you got to go to college, get a job, a house, two cars, a wife and some kids. That's the American dream or whatever. It's like, well, I could never go to college or whatever. I'm kind of proud of being looked down on because we've made something happen. 
we didn't have the most opportunities growing up. You can only complain about all these normal people trying to live the American dream when you end up married to Cameron Diaz, which is pretty much the epitome of the American dream as far as I'm concerned. This is one of those rock singles that you sometimes get about how the band is rebels and they're really anti-establishment. But then you look at the guys in the band and find out they date the most conventionally attractive women. So it seems that their brains want a very different thing than their genitals. You look at Good Charlotte perform pretty much anywhere and you just think to yourself, how the hell did any of them end up married to Cameron Diaz? Apparently, Benji Madden and Cameron Diaz were introduced at a dinner party which was run by Benji's brother Joel and his wife Nicole Ritchie. So that's another very conventionally attractive woman marrying a member of Good Charlotte. No candy for taste, I guess. I mean, to be fair, both Benji Madden and Cameron Diaz have very weird dating histories. Here's some people that Benji Madden is rumoured to have dated. Kim Kardashian, Paris Hilton, Katy Perry, Solange, and hilariously, the British one-hit wonder, Eliza Doolittle. That last one definitely blew my mind. Not quite like the others. Cameron Diaz, meanwhile, had been linked to people like Matt Dillon, Jared Leto, Justin Timberlake, the magician Chris Angel, P. Diddy, and the surfer Kelly Slater. Basically, what we can learn from that is celebrities are very weird. Another lesson that we learn time and time again on this podcast, and a lesson that I hope you have learned from last week when this was at number 11, is that Stacey Orico is a goddess, and the British chart-buying public seem to agree because she is up two places this week in her second week on the chart. Here she is with Star. So we're firmly into the top 10 now and we will soon find out whether Lamar or Girls Aloud has what it takes to beat Blue Cantrell to the number one spot. But first, let's give Stacey Orico her flowers for getting into the top 10. The song is called Stuck, but it certainly isn't stuck in the top 40. In fact, it should be called a Snuck because it's a snuck into that top 10. But unfortunately, it didn't quite have the power to beat Mark Owen, who is at number 8. His third week on the chart with four minute warning. Four minute warning. Lucy had a hard time with love, but love recently chose the right time for Lucy. Loving when you know it's the final time. She now holds time. Number seven this week, down from four in its second week, Jameson with Complete. Just edged out of the top five at number six, down from three last week. Here's Busted with Sleeping with the Light On. I'm sleeping with the light on. Heard she's engaged, but to her best friend, no one's to play. 
In a recent interview with Metro, James from Busted said Sleeping With The Light On is his favourite of Busted songs. I think probably because it's the one where they let him sing main vocals. This Metro interview has Busted looking back at their time as pop stars before their comeback. Matt said, We weren't really accepted into the pop world. I remember going on the Smash Hits tour and we were always the outsiders. We weren't invited to Atomic Kittens fucking party. We weren't in those gangs. We were in our own lane. That's what Busted was. We weren't in the pop world. We weren't really in the rock world. We had our own little fucking lane and that's what made it so real. Now, Matt, I don't think you can say we weren't in the pop world in the same sentence in which you say, I remember going on the smash hits tour. Now, can you? We can forgive him because there are definite medical impacts of sleeping with the light on. So perhaps Matt has been affected. According to the Sleep Foundation, even when you're on bed with your eyes closed, low light can increase the risk of awakenings and may have negative effects on circadian rhythm. To promote higher quality sleep and a more stable circadian rhythm, it is best to sleep in a bedroom that is as close to pitch darkness as possible. If reducing ambient light is difficult, consider an eye mask. Someone who definitely won't be considering an eye mask is Ultra Beat because they wouldn't want to hide those pretty green eyes, now would they? Now that would have been an absolutely, truly perfect segue, but I've just looked at the sheet and it is in fact Lumidy at number five in her fourth week on the chart here is never leave you uh oh uh Lumidi's fifth week at number five there. Clearly, Top of the Pops calling her out last week for being out of tune made absolutely no difference to the sales on that record. Three weeks in the top five was also what Wayne Wonder did earlier in the year, so clearly there's somewhat of a curse. If you stick at number five, you are going to be a one-hit wonder. Although, you can be at number four and also be a one-hit wonder. Just ask Ultra Beat with their song, Pretty Green Eyes, down from two and it's third. Let me remind Chose not to cry, it's alright. For your lover has come home, by your side I'll always stay. Never ever be alone. This week. Ultra Beat found themselves on top of the pops again, which has absolutely huge someone pulled out at the last minute energy. Quite why they wanted a large guy doing karaoke in front of a load of scantily clad girls, not once but twice, remains a mystery. But what doesn't remain a mystery is exactly how rare this pretty green-eyed woman was, because I can tell you an estimated 2% of the world's population have green eyes, making them very rare overall. However, green eyes are very common in some parts of the world, including Ireland and Scotland. In the US, where many people descend from ancestors from Ireland and Scotland, about 9% of the people have green eyes. However, it is not recorded what percentage of people have pretty green eyes as opposed to ugly green eyes, and there's absolutely no medical data about how many people have pretty green eyes that are full of sparkle and such light. That research still to be done. I am not a scientist after all. I am just a lowly chart obsessive. And also a Girls Aloud obsessive, which is lucky because they are at number three with a new entry, Life Got Cold, which means that the fight for number one is between Blue Cantrell and Lamar. So chill now, whoa. We've got many years to go. So take it day by day. And 
on Top of the Pops this week, one lucky young music video maker got the chance to be given a 10 grand budget to make a new music video for Life Got Cold by Girls Aloud. Now, on Top of the Pops, they act like £10,000 is a tiny amount to make a Girls Aloud music video, which is very weird because I've seen Girls Aloud music videos and they were all made for 78 pence. So that was a true embarrassment of riches for Girls Aloud. Although, I must say, this interview that they do on Top of the Pops this week is very weird. I don't know what's worse. Colin Murray sniffing Nadine and going on about how good she smells or sniffing Nadine wearing a Snow Patrol t-shirt. Well, listen, I'm going to let you perform now. Any chance of just one more smell? <laughs> absolutely. I know you can't smell it here, but just absolutely stunning. Anyway, come on, Terry, get your way from him. Certainly both offensive in their own ways. Honestly, Justice for Life Got Cold, one of their only singles which didn't feature on 10, their incredible Greatest Hits collection. Honestly, if there's room for Beautiful Because You Love Me and I'll Stand By You, there's plenty of room for Life Got Cold, I think. Also, generally a great single release for Girls Loud because it has their cover of Girls on Film as a B-side, one of their best B-sides. Although, saying that, I don't want to play Life Got Cold too much because the record label later had to credit Noel Gallagher for Life Got Cold because of claims that it sounds like Wonderwall which, to be fair, it does. And obviously, as a gay man, I resent any of my money going to Oasis. So obviously, I do the noble thing and listen to Girls Aloud's Life Got Cold illegally. And so should you. Be gay, do crime. All music, by the way, called Life Got Cold a solid ballad, suggesting a less intellectual Dido. Definitely my new bio somewhere. In fact, if I ever have the need to name my fans, I think they are going to be called the less intellectual Didos. Kind of a worrying sight at this point that Girls Aloud in their first three single releases had gone one, two, three. It was what I loved to call at the time a reverse busted, because Busted's first three singles had gone three, two, one. But just to look ahead a little bit, let's just say Girls Aloud have a number one coming up very soon indeed. But for now, they are at number three. And it's time to find out who is this week's number one 20 years ago. Quick recap of the top 20. 20, Richard X featuring Khalees, Finest Dreams. 19, a new entry for Black Red Bull Motorcycle Club with Stop. 18, Daniel Bedenfield with Never Gonna Leave Your Side. 17, new for Dizzy Rascal, Fix Up, Look Sharp. 16, Beyonce with Crazy in Love. 15, the Cheeky Girls with Hooray, Hooray, It's a Cheeky Holiday. 14, a new entry for DK and Epsilon featuring Stamina MC with Barcelona. Sorry, Barcelona. 13, Pharrell Williams featuring Jay-Z with Frontin. 12, a new entry for Radiohead with Go To Sleep. 11, new for The Libertines, Don't Look Back Into The Sun. 10, a new entry for Good Charlotte with The Anthem. 9, Stacey Orico with Stuck. 8, Mark Owen with 4 Minute Warning. 7, Jameson with Complete. 6, Busted with Sleeping With The Light On. 5, Lumidee with Never Leave You, Uh-Oh, Uh-Oh. 4, Ultrapeat with Pretty Green Eyes. 3, a new entry for Girls Aloud with Life Got Cold. And at 2... A new entry for Lamar with Dance With You, which means that for the fourth week, it's Blue Cantrell and Sean Paul at number one with Breathe. We'll listen to that very shortly, but here is Lamar's debut single, Dance Brackets With You. This is all I want to do, yeah. I 
debut single, but actually there was a previous Lamar single. Well, there almost was. Pre-Fame Academy in 2001, he had a record label and was going to release a single, but then restructuring at the label meant he was dropped by them without even releasing the song. Pretty brutal stuff. That song, incidentally, was called Got Me Saying Ooh, and was apparently a much more UK garaged orientated song for Lamar. So you know, we got to hear what that sounds like. I think in retrospect, it was a good thing that Lamar had to wait until 2003 to have his first hit. There's a lesson there in never giving up in your dreams or something. Or as the iconic Fame Academy theme song would have it. After being dropped from one record label, had signed up with Sony, who had recorded 30 tracks ready to try and make Lamar happen. But at this point, he was still a normal guy who's apparently whose mum still washed his underwear. As soon as you release a single, Lamar said, people think you're loaded. I've bought a really cool car, but I'm still living with my folks. He said of his previous single, to be honest, things just didn't work out and the record didn't make the shops, he says. There's deals and there's deals. This time around has been completely different. Because of the TV show, they've given me more say in the way the album sounds. It's really me. Which is a good thing, because he'd quit university after Fame Academy to try and make it in singing. And he'd also had a job in a bank. So, good thing that he's at number two here. He also manages to give a little bit of a defence to One True Voice, which might make him the only person in history to defend One True Voice. I think they've had a bit of a raw deal, size Lamar, but you go into these things knowing what you're getting into. If the record sells, it sells, and if it doesn't, then, hey, it's been nice. Very fair. Lamar, the nicest person in pop. And if there was any justice in the world, he would be at number one, but he has not invented the concept of justice yet. So he is stuck at number two behind Blue Cantrell with Breathe. As I said, it's fourth week at number one with 40,000 sales, making it the fifth song of the year to have four weeks at number one. After all the things she said, Make Love, the Ignition remix and Bring Me to Life. Should note for the true chart heads that Sound of the Underground did also have four weeks at number one, but one of those was in 2002. So don't send me any of your letters. Throughout Top of the Pops, while this song has been number one, they've just been playing the video, which means that we have seen Blue Cantrell's disturbing blue contacts many more times than we may wish. But finally, as we hinted at at the beginning of the episode, she appeared in this episode, so we thought we're finally going to get a Top of the Pops performance from Blue Cantrell. But no, what we get instead is an interview in the studio, and then they play that creepy-eyed video again. Really need to know what happened that Blue Cantrell was not able to perform on Top of the Pops. After all, you can see on YouTube that she performed perfectly well on Top of the Pops Ireland, but no performance for us in the UK. Obviously, I have no idea why it wasn't happened, but listen to that clip at the beginning of the show again and tell me she doesn't seem a little bit, um, shall we say, out of breath, excitable. So could it be that she was too drunk to perform? I would say for legal reasons, there's no evidence to suggest that, but I need to know the truth. So if anyone knows what went on with Blue Cantrell in August 2003, please email us at the 2000s chart show at gmail.com or in fact, follow any of our socials at Instagram. We are the 2000s chart show and at Twitter, we are at 2000s chart show. Follow us on Spotify and YouTube to see playlists of all the songs we've talked about. And yes, this was a subtle way to segue into all of these social plugs. You're welcome. And you are welcome for this week's number one. She may not have been able to perform it on top of the pops, but we can play a little legally required 30 second clip of Breathe by Blue Cantrell. This week's number one. See you next week. We need to let it breathe. So
Yeah, it's wrong. 